Shalom Aleichem, and welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Rachel Kafferson, a New York-based freelance journalist, cultural critic, and playwright, the author of A Bracha, A Blessing, a Yiddish-English gangster ghost romance in three acts. She is a tablet columnist on contemporary modern Yiddish arts and culture, as a 2019 LABA Fellowship recipient, she will be writing a play exploring the culture clash between interwar avant-garde Yiddish theater and modern academia. Welcome. Thank you. It's so good to have you here. I've been really waiting a long time for a chance to have you on the schmooze. And waiting to ask you, how the heck did you find your way to Yiddish? Okay. Whew. So, um, well, it's nice to talk to uh, an audience that really, I think, um, gets it. So my, maybe what I, my story won't be, won't sound so uh, unusual. Um, how did I find my way to Yiddish? I, well, part of the problem is that I grew up without grandparents, pretty much. So I didn't have a lot of older folks in my, in my life. I didn't hear a lot of Yiddish. And the words that I did hear from my parents were, um, you know, sort of scattered around a little bit, like a, like a breadcrumb trail that I would follow later on in life. And um, so there was that breadcrumb trail, Yiddish words that my parents used but didn't really explain. And then because it was the 90s and everybody was into world music, um, somehow a couple Klezmer CDs made their way into the world music section at my local independent bookstore. And my dad brought home a couple of those CDs. He had probably heard a Cosmo Conservatory band on a Prairie Home Companion. And I, in turn, listened to those CDs, and I had one of those, you know, sort of mind-blown experiences where I realized, like, oh, those words that my parents have been using are connected to a whole thing, and that whole thing comes with music, which is amazing. Uh, so that kind of sparked a, uh, a, a mystery, it sparked a hunt, it sparked my really intense desire to figure out what this thing was, and because it was before the internet, um, you really had to work for it. Uh, so I searched for Yiddish everywhere, and I mean everywhere, and then I ended up going to Brandeis because it was one of the few places you could go and study Yiddish. And there you are? And there I was, yeah. In the basement of Randice, <laughs> learning Yiddish. So I began following you on your blog and then found my way to the tablet column. And in all sincerity, your, your writing is really, it's great. It's thoughtful. It's obviously really well-researched. It's approachable. And it's, it's apparent that you have a, a real passion for this and also a real um, integrity. And you also amaze me because you cover cultural happenings, contemporary cultural happenings, you know, who's doing what, what's being done um, in Yiddish culture. And you also write about aspects of Yiddish culture and history. It's a large beat, yes? Yes. How did you and, carve that out? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, it's funny because I think that some people sort of expect that Yiddish is actually going to be a really small beat. Like, how can you even consider that a beat? You know, you, you would sort of cover all the subjects, you know, within a couple months and be done. Um, when, in fact, it's, you know, it feels to me very endless. Um, 
you know, I'm the kind of person that I see connections everywhere and I like to sort of bring a lot of different things into conversation. So that's just an that's an aspect of my own personality and my sort of recklessness, I would say. <laughs> I don't know, recklessness? Oh, no, <laughs> restlessness. Oh, okay, sorry. Although like, oh, no... maybe it is reckless, actually. <laughs> there's nothing reckless that I see. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a whole other aspect. <laughs> um, so I also imagine that, you know, I, I, I read a lot of your long-form pieces, as do others here at the Yiddish Book Center, and we, we also post your pieces a lot on social media because they're just really good. Um, Thank you. Um, so with all that's happening with all of the many organizations around the globe with digitization, I can imagine it makes the job both easier on the one hand and harder because it sends us all, I think, down these rabbit holes that you just like, whoa, who knew I could find this out? Oh, yeah. Um, So do you find that you're just unearthing all sorts of things that you couldn't have imagined were out there? Well, yes, first of all. But also, you know, just keeping up with the research that other people are doing and sort of going down rabbit holes with those people uh, is, you know, that in itself I find overwhelming. There is so much amazing and very accessible scholarship being done, especially now with digitization, with all these resources becoming available, that it's almost like, um, you know, sort of a delayed effect, in a sense. Uh, I think because Yiddish studies for a long time was sort of on the margins for various reasons, and now all of a sudden there's this really this research explosion. So, um, I, you know, I'm just struggling to keep up with what's going on, even with people, you know, people who are my friends. Um, but Luckily, I do have a lot of friends, so I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends who do this work, so at least that sort of gives me a natural way of organizing uh, what to look at and where to go and who to talk to. So that's also an interesting thing I wanted to ask you about. In terms of scholarship, there is so much going on. Um, I just came back from Poland a couple of months ago and was just absolutely wowed by all that's happening there in terms of scholarship and book production. And, um, you know, I know I see you at events and you're at all sorts of, um, you're, you're here, there, and everywhere. But you're covering, you're covering these scholars, you're covering what's new in performance and et cetera, but you're also a cultural producer yourself. So I imagine there's sort of this duality to what you're doing. Yes. Absolutely. Um, And uh, I think that, you know, it's funny. um, I think there's a little bit of envy between people on the different sides. You know, people who are artists feel like, you know, oh, it's so hard to get the attention of writers who are writing about culture and it's very frustrating and, you know, they're, they're sort of at their mercy. And then people who are critics feel a little bit like, oh, you know, I'm not an artist, I'm not in the spotlight, you know, I'm just talking about stuff. <laughs> and then people who try to do both, I think, feel like, oh gosh, I'm doing both and I'm succeeding at neither. <laughs> well, it, it, let's, let's be honest here. I can't, I can't imagine it's easy to um, carve out a career as a freelance journalist covering modern Yiddish arts and culture. It's, it's, 
definitely not easy. I will say that I have been incredibly lucky that um, uh, two, two and a half years ago, Tablet came to me and said, we'd like you to create uh, a column dedicated to Yiddish culture. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was sort of, an, in a way, a no-brainer because there's so much to talk about. But also, I think it was a bit of a a bit of a leap or a risk on their part because there is a popular perception that there isn't necessarily that much to talk about or there aren't that many people that are interested. I found that really amazing um, when that happened with Tablet because it was a real leap of faith, but also I think it was a really important statement in my mind in terms of the relationship to Yiddish and modern Jewish culture. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think they, you know, they saw that connection that was there that needed to be kind of brought out to show that, once once again, that it's not that Yiddish is on the margins. In fact, Yiddish is informing so much of the larger Jewish culture, just as larger Jewish culture today informs what happens in Yiddish. Right. There's. I mean, I think we use the term regeneration here, and certainly, you know, I mentioned before seeing you in the audience uh, at performances and things, and there's so much that's coming out, new plays that are being produced in translation or music that is the evolution, you know, drawing on the roots. It's really exciting, mm -hmm. and it's like you can't, you can't forget about what informs our contemporary sort of cultural landscape. We borrow from a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's the... There's a real role to be played by good cultural criticism that can bring out those things so that, you know, our own culture is not so mysterious to us. Um, I mean, you know, that's a, a theme I come back to all the time in my own work, in my critical work, is that so much of Jewish history and culture has become mystified to American Jews um, and, you know, for various reasons I won't go into, uh, and that's a real need I see on the part of critics and, and cultural writers to, to bring those things out. Um, it's not that hard, but there just has to be sort of a, a will to do it and, and, to, and for readers to, to see the importance of it, I suppose. And, yeah, I mean, somebody yeah, needs to carve out the space, but also you, you create content that's <laughs> deserving of the space, as it were. And... <laughs> It's so, yeah, I, I sort of see you as this 21st century Yiddish journalist, and I wonder if there are those journalists who went before you, who you think about or whose work you can read. I'm always frustrated because I can't read Yiddish, and I would love to read um, commentary and criticism of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily point to any one critic uh, or Yiddish writer or journalist that I model myself on, although maybe if I thought about it a little bit, but, you know, um, and I, I know you know Daniel Kennedy, and you guys are intimately involved with the recent translations he's done, and so I was thinking, you know, what he wrote about um, Hirsch David, uh, David Nunberg and Fliegelmann and that, that portrait of the Writers' Union in Warsaw really spoke to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, this idea, you know, this, the excitement of all these people, these writers coming together and, you know, seeing theater all the time and really getting, you know, hyped up about ideas and, and the stakes 
for for culture writers and culture producers felt very high. And, uh, you know, I read that and I think, oh, what I wouldn't give to, you know, go to one of their evenings in the 20s, you know, when they were all numbered with making them tango at the writers' union. Um, I wanted to ask you this silly question, so now it's a segue. But maybe you won't consider it silly. But, okay, um, it's the... It's the age-old question. If you could have a dinner party and gather people around, so who would who would be there? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Um, hmm, like people I would want to meet. Well, you know, it gets really dark really fast because there are people who are my heroes because of what they endured. You know, people like mm-hmm. Emmanuel Winkelblum and Rachel Euerbach, and so you know. It would might that might be a somber dinner, <laughs> um, but uh, you know I would I would love to meet them um, if I could go back in time you know to to the twenties and uh, go to a tango evening and and dinner you know at the writers union in Warsaw I would absolutely do that with some of those folks. Um, gosh. I feel like I, there was just somebody I, I was saying that I wanted to meet, and now I, I, I can't remember who it was. But, yeah, I, I have that feeling all the time that it's, you just feel this longing of wanting to know what these people were like in person, you know, and it's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, when you read little vignettes, and you mentioned Warsaw Stories, the new translation by Daniel mm-hmm. Kennedy, yeah, it's kind of you want to plop yourself in there. Um, yeah, it seems cool. So, can you tell me a little bit uh, about the um, play that you're working on? Oh yeah, I'm very excited about this play. So, um, and in fact, there's going to be a little bit of it up on the Laba. Um, it's, it's called the online journal, uh, and all the fellows this year are placing pieces up there. So, how do I describe this? The play is about a young woman who's a grad student at a school like NYU in a department like their performance studies department. And she is studying uh, queer interwar Yiddish cabaret um, from Warsaw. And um, she is maybe two years into her program, and it looks like she's about to be kicked out. Uh, She's not doing very well. Her advisor doesn't really know her or care about her or have much of an investment in her. And she discovers something really astonishing, that one of the people, one of the actors who belongs to that world that she studies is not only still alive, but living just a few blocks from her in the Grand Street Co-op, which is, uh, the Grand Street Co-ops are where a lot of Yiddish actors lived um, in the 90s and 2000s. And uh, it's just that kind of scene where you might have encountered these people. Um, So she finds out there's an actor, a woman named Sonia. And um, Jess, the grad student, she wants to find out if Sonia, the actress, has a lost text. So there's a lost text that belongs to the scene that Jess is writing about. And if she can find this text, it will totally change her... her, um, her experience as a grad student, it will keep her from being tossed out of her program. So the story becomes sort of a, a push and pull between Jess and this woman, Sonia, who she becomes friends with as to what they can each get from each other. And it's not quite clear. <laughs> um, and the text that she's looking for is what I call a piece of 
well, it's based on what I call fake lore, and other people call fake lore. So, you know, folklore is you go to a community, a rural community, and they say, oh, yes, we have this tradition that believes that, you know, such and such happens on this night of the year or whatever. So I made up a piece of Jewish fake lore. Um, it's called the Stumer Shabbos. And in the town that Sonia came from in the play, uh, on the shortest Shabbos of the year, the widows of the town would have their own Shabbos dinner together. And one year they have uh, a Shabbos dinner because they have a Shabbos dinner together. It's silent. It's held in silence. And there's a, uh, a plate at the head of the table. And that symbolizes all the husbands that have passed away. And then what happens is that they took that idea. Sonia took that idea and she turned it into a play called Strumer Shabbos. And in the play, one of the dead husbands comes back to put one of the uh, living wives on trial for murdering him. Okay. Oh. So it's like, yeah, it's a play within a play, if that's not confusing enough. The play within the play is what Jess, the grad student, is hoping to find, because she found a newspaper review in one of the Warsaw Yiddish newspapers talking about this play, but nobody's been ever able to find the text. Wow. Yeah. And, and yeah. How, how, how soon can we see this? <laughs> well, hopefully in the next couple of months. Um, I just wrote, uh, uh, I wrote up this, this piece of folk, uh, fake lore as sort of a little uh, story. from a, It's a first-person story, and that's going to be on the Lava website. You'll be able to see that in about a week. Um, and the play itself, hopefully, I'm going to start you know, workshopping it fairly soon. And actually, there are two actors who I already have uh, signed up to be involved, one of whom is Carrot O'Brien, who I know does a lot at yes. the book center there. Um, so I, I have her interested in playing the Sonia character. But also, it was originally conceived, actually, to be Shane Baker in drag. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to have the two of them help me workshop it. Excellent. Well, let us know when it's, when it's ready for prime time. It sounds crazily fascinating, a play within a play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know it was really hard, and thank you very much for carving out time, because you're off to AJS this weekend. Can I ask what you're presenting on? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was asked to be on a roundtable about the Bund today, the influence of the Bund. It's called Ties the Bund. Oh, <laughs> we just talked about this at our staff meeting. You're on the panel with Mindel Cohen. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's we right. got a kick out of the title. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm going to be uh, problematizing the idea of Zoyakite. So that's really a fun thing um, to sort of unpack and problematize things that uh, you love. You know, and I, I love the Blooms, I love Zoyakite. These are concepts that are really important to me. But also, I think that the more people kind of take them up, I think they really need to be unpacked and we need to think about what happens when we translate concepts from literally 100 years ago and we translate them to, to, to today. It's more important than ever then that we really understand the meanings that come along with these concepts. Mm -hmm. So you're contextualizing? 
Um, more than contextualizing, I would say problematizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say too much, but I will tell you that I have uh, an op-ed coming out with these same ideas uh, very shortly in Haaret, so for their Hanukkah supplement, so you'll be able to read that there. If you if you would like your bund problematized. <laughs> well, I want to be a problematizer. Okay. So, <laughs> well, hang out with me, you okay. know. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> Usually perceived as the problem maker, not the, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, not a problem yeah. enabler um, or a considerer. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll leave that part of the conversation. Um, so in terms of articles, that segues really well. Um, for our listeners um, who are interested in following you on the World Wide Web, as I like to say, um, mm-hmm. can you give us some coordinates? Sure. So the best place to find me is uh, I have a twice-a-month column at Tablet, and it's called Ruffles Golden City, um, just like that. You can go to Tablet, and you can find it. Um, I'm there twice a month covering everything from Bolsheviks to the Bund, um, you know, pogroms. That's a big theme. Uh, but I, I promise it's not depressing. It's actually really interesting, and I, I try to uncover really vibrant, really wonderful, uplifting people in our history um, who I think are very inspiring and people we all should want to know. So yeah, find me there at Tablet. Um, I have op-eds in Haaretz and um, JTA. Um, where else? Uh, I'm going to have something in the Jewish Week soon. And you can always find me on my blog, which is wahol.blogspot.com. I always have some fun stuff on there. And on social. Yeah, social media, although um, <laughs> it's, you, you want to tune in for a lot of Ruffle nonsense. You know, you can follow me on Twitter, but, you know, maybe don't. Maybe don't, because it's just a lot of nonsense. Social media is such nonsense. <laughs> I, do want, I do want to put a plug in for something, if I may. Go ahead. Um, I am happy to announce that I am the new director of special projects for the Congress for Jewish Culture, which is a 71-year-old um, small art and artist-based or art and artist-focused Yiddish nonprofit. And um, we have some really exciting uh, stuff coming in the new year. So I hope people will come and check us out. The Congress for Jewish Culture. We're going to have a press release very soon about a really exciting initiative that's coming, and um, I'm just really excited to be working with uh, Shane Baker and the Congress, as we call it, um, to shake up the Yiddish world a little bit. That's great. Great news for them and for all of us as well. Um, So (laughs) uh, thank you so much for taking time on what I know is like an incredibly busy week, but I'm sure all your weeks are busy, (laughs) my friend. Um, and we hope to see you here soon or in New York at some point in the not-too-distant future. You'll be at Yiddish New York? Yeah, I will be. Are you going to be there? Yes, um, with Carrot O'Brien, as a matter of fact. We're doing a presentation on translation and doing some readings, Um, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, So thank you, um, and safe travels as you crisscross the country. Thank you. Well, it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa, and we'll talk to you soon then. Okay. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. 
I'm Sarah Bleichfeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.